Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second webinar of the series. And today we are joined by Zurich. So welcome, Zurich, to the webinar, and thank you very much for joining us. Zurich is one of the world's leading insurance providers. But is, is insurance all they do? Let's find out more. In this webinar, we'll learn in more detail about Zurich, the opportunities they have for you, our STEM students, to apply to, the application process, including lots of hints and tips about, and also about the graduates' journeys so far. So there's going to be lots to find out about, so stay tuned and listen to us a little bit more. Um, we'll also hear from Tom, Rosa, Will and Paula about their journeys, um, anything that they've been doing training and development wise and the future that they have in store for them. So as always, we've got lots and lots to fit in. This hour is going to speed by. Mm -hmm. So let me introduce you to, it's a little bit complicated because I've got my Sophie who's grad cracker and I've got <laughs> Jurek Sophie. So this, I might say my Sophie a few, a few times in this webinar, but we all know who we're referring to. So Sophie, could you introduce us to Jurek, your role um, and tell us just a little bit more, please? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everybody. And thanks for joining us this afternoon. Um, so as Carla said, my name's Sophie and I'm the Early Careers Advisor here at Zurich. Um, so I'm responsible for all of the recruitment into our early career programmes, which includes our graduate and intern opportunities, which we're here to talk to you about today. Um, so in terms of Zurich, we are a global insurance company. Um, and we're part of Zurich Insurance Group, which is headquartered in Zurich, Switzerland, as you might imagine, um, where we were founded in 1872. Um, and in the UK, um, we provide a suite of general insurance products to our customers from motor, travel, life, pensions, um, casualty, all across the board to individuals and, and corporate customers. Um, in the UK, we employ about four and a half thousand people and we're based across a number of different locations. Um, and hopefully today, when you hear from some of our graduates, you will hear um, and understand the breadth of the roles that exist in our business to support um, the business and our customers. Perfect. Thank you, Sophie. So as part of the whole applications process, students will get to meet you. Would that be correct in saying? Um, yes, definitely. Um, you will have some contact with the early careers team throughout the process, either myself yeah. or my colleague Megan. Um, but more when you meet face to face, it's about meeting with the business stream that you're applying to directly, just to really get that flavour of, of who you're going to be working with in the future. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Sophie. So face to a name, when you are putting your applications together, you might see Sophie, you might see Megan. I, I know both Sophie and Megan really, really well. Um, so yeah, don't be frightened. Listen to this webinar. Mention this webinar when you put your applications in and let's get to know the grads a little bit more. So Tom, I'm going to start with you, if I may. Um, so tell us a little bit more about yourself, please. So what did you go to? Where did you go to university and what did you study? Uh, yeah, so I went to university at the University of Surrey and I studied electronic engineering. Mm -hmm. um, and after graduating, I then joined Zurich on the data and analytics graduate program. Perfect. So do you think that your um, studies you know, in electronic engineering set you up to, be da to do data analytics or was it a complete fresh jump for you? Yeah, it was kind of a slight tangent, but um, slight <laughs> yeah, slight tangent. <laughs> I mean, I guess there were the way I see it is perhaps the exact knowledge I learned in my degree isn't necessarily applicable but yeah. what I found is the way you think about say problem solving and sort of those mm -hmm. other kind of skills that you might not necessarily think about they're very um, cross compatible with the scheme I'm on now compared to the degree I did even though perhaps in name they are different different subjects. Yeah, it's those transferable skills into that exactly. you pick up during your degree. And go back a little bit further then, so what made you choose to study electronics? 
Um, it was always just some a subject I always really liked. I did it yeah. at um, GCSE, mm-hmm. uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I did some sort of projects, small projects at home, soldering and things like that. Yeah. Um, and then I carried it on and did it at A-level and mm-hmm. still enjoying it. So I thought <laughs> I'll carry on again and do it, <laughs> yeah. and do it at university. <laughs> so I just kept carrying on and carrying on. But then uh, at university, I sort of thought about exploring different avenues. Yeah. Um, and I liked sort of the analytical part of my, the degree I was doing. And I thought data analytics would be a perfect suit. Perfect. And it's, it's, it's working out so far. Yeah, and here you are, and you're still smiling. Yeah. Super, thank you very much, Tom. Um, Rosa, on to you. So I know you've got a little bit of a, a different story, but if you can start with where you went to university, what you studied, um, and and the whys of all those questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I went to University College London, um, and I did, uh, well, uh, I did a Bachelor of Arts and Sciences um, in <laughs> Maths and English Lit and Linguistics yeah. and a few other things as well. So oh. it was, I kind of that, describe it as maths with language sciences. That is a um, right combination, Rosa. That, <laughs> sorry? That is a right combination between maths and English literature. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what my uh, degree director thought to. Uh, <laughs> and then um, when I was in my second year, I did an internship in the team, well, not in the exact team, but in actuarial reserving, which is where I work yeah. now here at Zurich. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I graduated and I went and worked in computer science research for about two years um, in um, research in machine learning and linguistics. So kind of looking at modeling mm-hmm. languages with computers. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, came back here. <laughs> cool. And your journey continues. <laughs> I, am, yes. I am interested to learn a little bit more um, just because, you know, the, our audience who are watching today, there could be students who are currently at university, thinking about university, choosing their subjects to do. So what, what made you choose, you know, English and, and maths? To me, I'm an English graduate, so I'm just thinking I wanted to get further away from maths as humanly possible. For you to do <laughs> both, I admire you. <laughs> um, well, so at this degree I did um, as a, a BASC uh, is at the time it was only offered at UCL, it's now offered at a few other universities. Um, okay. And kind of the idea is that everybody does um, an art and a science. So okay. you have to major in one or minor in the other. It's a bit like the American system. Yeah. Uh, so most people on my degree were doing things that match up more, like um, they would do biology and politics, and then they yeah. can study things like um, the politics of health care and things like mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I really loved maths at school. I really loved languages at school. Um, and I was just determined I was going to do this and <laughs> you can't do maths and English joint honours anywhere but you can yeah. do this degree and do this combination right. um, but it was great because I also um, I learned Spanish I now speak like pretty fluent Spanish through my degree yeah. um, and um, also we did some kind of more general modules like um, there was a module in kind of consultancy skills uh, it's a great degree I recommend it um, yeah. <laughs> but why did I choose those things I suppose because I I love languages and I love maths. Uh, probably if I had had better advice at school, I should have gone and studied linguistics at university, yeah. but I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really glad. I don't regret it at all. It was it was great fun. Good. Your passion shines through us still, Rosa, after those years. So thank <laughs> you very much for that instruction. And um, Will, who also never stopped smiling. So same question. So where did you go to university? What did you study? And what made you make those decisions? Um, yeah, so just for reference, I'm the graduate at True Stream. Um, I went to university up in Leeds yeah. and there I studied maths with finance. Mm-hmm. And as to why I picked this particular career, 
Uh, well, it all actually started with a parents' evening I went to when I was 16. Um, I was speaking to my maths teacher and the complete lack of direction I had at 16 came up in conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talking to them. Just happened to pop up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, my teacher, Mr Overton, he said, um, well, you're pretty handy at maths. If yeah. you uh, want to be live quite comfortably, uh, head towards the direction of becoming an actuary. And I don't think you realise just how profound of an effect he ended up having on me. So as a result of that, um, I've been able to pick a career now where I'm able to like really stretch my legs with the like, um, I've always really liked maths and I've always, um, I'm able to stretch my legs, uh, use a lot of numbers and yeah. it's a career that I really get a lot out of like daily. Oh, I bet your teacher would be so proud of you. We need to find, we need to, we need to send you this recording when you need to send it back to your school and say, look yeah. where I am now, sir. Yeah, it's not remarkable as for him to be in the participants, but in my... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's like, I don't know if you remember this, is your, you probably won't remember this is your life, that's fair. Um, but, you know, when you used to bring people on from your past and this mm. is your real teacher, Will. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so very much for that, Will. Um, Paula, last but not least, um, so... Same questions, which university, what did you study and why? So I'm in the change in tech scheme right now, but yeah. I studied computer science and management at the University of St. Andrews, yeah. which is a four-year degree. So um, I studied for a bit longer than the other people on the call, I think. Yeah. And um, so what did, why did you choose insurance? Why did you choose Zurich? Um, well... Originally, I actually just wanted to study computer science, but my yeah. parents made me study management as well because yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be useful. Yeah. And um, by studying it, I kind of realized that I really like the people aspect as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't just want to be a programmer. And mm-hmm. when looking for internships, I found the change in tech yeah. scheme, which kind of combines Mm. computer science and management slash kind of the people aspect I thought that actually works out really well I applied I give it a shot I got the internship and I realized I really really like it it's very much an in-between where I get to interact with technology but also work as part of a team and like figure out social problems as well as sorry if you hear construction noises in the background we can't hear them Paula don't you worry okay (laughs) but yeah it's technical problems as well as kind of figuring out how to connect different parts of the business. So I've, I've just found that it really like hits the connection between the two areas and it's been very satisfying. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make, Paul, because I think a lot of students who are watching this webinar might just might just think, oh, you know, I like, you know, doing something, for example, in, in data or analyzing data and things like that. But you can have the two. So you can mm. be, you know, use your technical side of your brain. But then if you wanted um, to have a more people role as well, that, that is on offer at Zurich. So I think that's a really good point because I don't think a lot of students might know that you could combine the two. And um, so mm-hmm. that's a perfect opportunity for them. Um, so thank you, everybody, for your introductions well I'm inspired already to apply to Zurich but what I want to do is um Sophie better have me what I want to do is not my Sophie's already got me Zurich Sophie and um, what I want to do is just go through the top um facts about Zurich so let's do, do a little bit of a myth busting round I hope we've all got different ones and um, so Tom I'm going to start with you do you have a top exciting fact about Zurich please um 
one I can think of that comes to mind because I've done it recently is um, yeah. the three, three charity days you get a year oh, to, yeah. to spend um, pretty much how, how you see fit for helping out the community. And I actually did one uh, last week um, with a few people in my team mm-hmm. and we were cooking mm-hmm. uh, breakfast for homeless people. Um, oh, so it was, a, it was a morning thing that we did. And I think yeah. we cooked breakfast for about 100 people. Um, and I was one of the chefs, so it was quite intense, but uh, it was really yeah. rewarding. And they were like really grateful to, for it to happen. So yeah. it was really a really fulfilling thing to do. So I think that's something that perhaps you don't expect. Um, mm. It's quite a nice addition. Quite important to this, Tom, is um, how did your eggs turn out? Did you, did you have to do fried eggs? Yeah. Did you get a soft middle? We, we started with scrambled and we realised it wasn't going well. So we just, we stuck to fried. <laughs> yeah, um, I was just going to say. Yeah. Get we kind of learned as we went along <laughs> yeah. what, what not to do. Stay away from perched. Stay yes. away from perched. <laughs> Thanks very much, Tom. Sounds perfect. Brilliant opportunity there. Rosa? Have you got a top uh, Yeah, I, I, don't know if, I don't know if this counts. Um, it will do. Say finance, it will in, do. finance in general gets a pretty bad rep for work-life balance. Um, yeah. And my my partner's friends, when they hear that I work in finance, can't believe I don't sleep under my desk and work 20 hours a day. <laughs> but Zurich particularly does have um, quite good work-life balance and I'd say respect to the fact that we're also people um, and we mm-hmm. aren't just our jobs. And I think that's... Um, I don't know if that's unusual among insurance companies, but I think in the finance sector it certainly is. So I think that's it's not to be underrated. Uh, mm. absolutely not lovely well everybody I think everybody's saying the same thing because everybody's nodding away so thank you very much for that Rosa and um, Will exciting fact please um yeah totally it's something that like I feel like isn't terribly recognized but um yeah. in the sort of technical side at Zurich um it's actually an unusually young um set of people that work there I think the median age is something like 28 so if you join the company you'll actually be amongst people who are like quite like-minded and similar station in life to you which yeah. I know for a fact for me I don't know about everybody else but made it so much easier to transition from university into the job yeah and I bet that helps from a work point of view and the social aspect as well you know mm. be, you know being able to be friends with people who you work with makes things a lot easier yeah. um, and Paula um, mine's a bit more about the fact that Zurich's quite large I, yeah. I know I remember at university a lot of people were hesitant to go work for corporation because you're just a number and all that but I'm very surprised that Zurich actually does in my experience do well by its employees so yeah like they didn't let anyone go during the pandemic and now they they're helping employees with a cost of living crisis and it's just stuff that I didn't really expect from a company this size but it it's a nice bonus so how does Zurich make you not feel just like a number then, Paula? Is that because the team that you work in, and I'm not taking your bit so please, so don't you worry, mm-hmm. and is, is, it, is it because you work in quite a, a small team, so then that's a, a little bit of a family, and then you work with other teams, and they're little bits of families as well? Yeah, at least in IT, we're very team-oriented. Um, yeah. My team is a fairly large one, but it's still got like 12 people, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it does make you feel like you're part of a group of people instead of just kind of another person at the desk and the massive floor in an office. Yeah. Um, and I think that does translate to how your managers treat you and how you interact with your coworkers. And eventually that filters up to the people team, which is um, human resources as well. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Paula. And um, Sophie, 
I am coming back to you, my sweetie. Could you tell, we know we're opening your opportunities on Monday, so watch this space. The customer relations team at Grad Cracker are poised for you to send these opportunities <laughs> over. Um, sleepless nights are so excited, honestly. What opportunities are you going to have opening on Monday, please? Yeah, sure. So we are opening our graduate and intern opportunities on Monday um, and we recruit across six different streams. Um, so we have our actuarial stream within our life um, and general business, um, a data and analytics stream, our change technology stream, um, finance and business management. So um, and then new to this year for actuarial, we're also launching um, an industrial placement program for those students who have that sandwich year within their um, degree. Um, so if you are in your penultimate year, then that's a new Opportunity that we have um so those are the the roles that we're recruiting for this year and all stem students can apply Sophie all stem students yeah absolutely welcome um, perfect thank you and um opportunities I know that you said at the beginning of the webinar that you know you've got quite a few different locations yeah. um so employers are doing something different um, at the moment so where have you got any specific locations where the students and grads could be based one question secondly what is it is it a hybrid approach to working can you just talk us through that please yeah sure so um our programs are all based at slightly different locations so it'll be yeah. worth checking the detail on the advert but our main areas that we recruit out of are swindon fairham um, and London in the main and then there are some other streams that recruit in slightly different locations um, our business program is rotational across the UK so they're all slightly different yeah. so depending on where you're interested in sort of basing yourself it's worth having a look at that um, and then in terms of our approach obviously we are in a slightly different world now post-covid yeah. um, so our approach is very much hybrid and we really encourage that between our graduate and intern populations I think it's really important to have that balance but yeah. also to spend time in the office you know supported by your team around colleagues particularly in those early days to really be supported with that learning so we're taking very much a hybrid approach across all of our roles this year fantastic thank you very much Sophie um, so don't forget guys follow Zurich on Grad Cracker now and then as soon as we go live with the positions that Sophie just mentioned you know the internships um, and the graduate opportunities we will send you a push notification and an email to let you know. So it's worth giving them a quick follow now um, and then get everything prepared for Monday's go live date. Um, so what I'm going to do now is hand you over to Sophie, um, Grad Cracker Sophie, and we're going to meet the grads a little bit more. Over to you, my love. Thank you very much, Carla. Um, thanks all for the introductions that you've given so far. What I want to do firstly is just find out a little bit more about each individual role. Um, there might be some cases where I need you to explain a little bit more about what that actually means. So do bear with me as we go through because we have students on the webinar today that might be in their first year, might not know anything about the industry overall. So I want to make sure that we're giving a kind of really clear overview to everyone. So Tom, I'm going to start with you. Um, can you explain again, you know, the team that you're working in, what scheme you're on and, and what that involves? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I'm on the data and analytics grad scheme. So there's a few teams you rotate through within that. Mm -hmm. um, the team I'm in currently is the data science team, um, where it's quite a lot of variety of what I do within it. But um, for the most part, in short, it's involving a lot of analytical work and okay. things like machine learning to help provide insight to other parts of the business that mm -hmm. help supplement their, the work they're doing and help assist uh, the goals and direction they want to take. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a couple of other rotations. So I've recently come from the visualization team, um, the data visualization team. So they look at doing reports for the business. Um, okay. Things like um, 
not just charts that uh, tell you information, but completely interactive dashboards where you can mm-hmm. click some, say you, there's, a, for example, a claim or something you're worried about, you can dig deeper into it and it's completely interactive. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely like sort of transformational way of how you yeah. report things rather than just a static chart that you can look, on, look at on a spreadsheet. Yeah. And then the other rotation, which is where I started, was um, data engineering, where mm-hmm. they sort of, uh, without trying to use any sort of uh, buzzwords or anything, um, they look at transforming the data we have within the company. So then it can be used for teams like the visualization team. To, mm-hmm. So they have the data in a nice way to then be used um, to create exactly what they want for the visualizations they might be doing. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That's a good overview. Um and when did you first join Zurich? I joined in September 2020. So I think mm-hmm. today is actually exactly two years since I joined. Oh, happy, nice. happy anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. And um, when will you complete, how long is the graduate scheme? How, when will you kind of come off that and go into a, a full-time role, if you like? Yeah, so I think it varies a bit between schemes, but mine uh, is towards the end of this year, uh, mm-hmm. or at the end of this year, I look at getting sort of a permanent role within a team. Yeah. Um, so that's sort of just two and a half years ish around okay. that amount of time frame. And do you, and you, do you have any? Oh, sorry, go on, Carla. <laughs> and do you have it? I told you it'd be like this survey. Oh, no. And did you did you have any? Did you have any? Sorry, Tom. Do you have any choice about which um, team you go into? Then, when you just mentioned, you, you know, you've got going to go into a permanent position. Is it up to you, the hiring managers? How does that work? Yeah. So. Um, it's certainly you'll rotate through all the different teams and throughout that you get a good idea of what you like mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah hopefully they'll if you like a team you've done well there they'll also like you and want you yeah. to come back um and so I don't want to bias anyone so I won't say who I where I want to end up but um <laughs> yeah so I've got an I've I've sort of had conversations with where I want to end up and um mm-hmm. and they would like me as well um, so it's all looking like it's going in the right direction for me to become oh, permanent in that, in that team at the end of, at the end of the year. Yeah, perfect. It's always nice to hear that you can kind of build your own path, yeah. um, especially when we're doing these kind of webinars to understand that it's not OK, especially kind of going back to what Paula was saying about bit working for a larger organisation. Yeah. I think there is a, a kind of preconception that, OK, this is, everything's kind of laid out for you. Um, but, you know, everything that you're saying, Tom, is that, you know, you really do have a massive input on where you end up within the business and, and kind of how you progress. So that's always lovely to hear. Um, okay, I'm going to come to you, Rosa, next. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about your role um, at, the, at the moment and what team you work in? Yeah, um, so I work in uh, the retail reserving team. So that's the actuarial scheme. Um, so there are a couple of, well, three different types of actuarial. I will talk about reserving. I hope Will will explain what pricing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, So for those who don't know what an actuary is, basically we're kind of statisticians within insurance uh, and our job is to quantify the risk of insurance. So my role in reserving is looking at, for example, if you crash your car today, we don't know how much that is going to cost in total. It might cost 100 quid just to fix the windscreen, or you might, I don't know, break a bone and it's going to cost lots and lots of medical bills, especially if you're you know, in a country that has medical insurance or something. Yeah. Um, so my job is to make sure that we are always putting away enough money that we can um, pay out on everything that we are that we sort of insure, um, which is not simple because um, we're predicting how many accidents will there be and how bad will they be. Um, mm. And we're also thinking about what accidents have we had in previous years um, that might happen, might, might get worse. So 
Um, so if your roof caves in, um, we might think, oh, we've, we've paid for that. And then actually a year later, it turns out it was really bad work and it's broken again. Mm-hmm. And we need to pay out more on that claim. So our job is really to kind of both look at the past and try and predict the future um, using numbers, <laughs> which is <laughs> not simple. But it is fun. Um, I, I bet you it's so. really difficult to do. I'm just thinking like COVID and lockdown. So, you know, you've just mentioned mm. like looking back on trends and history and things like that, but you had, I can't remember, like two, two years of people maybe not using the cars and things like that. So what do yeah, you do exactly. then? Do you just so, take that out and discount it or? So, so COVID was a really interesting thing because as you say, um, we were seeing, so the team that I work in deals with personal car insurance and we had yeah. way fewer claims because people weren't driving. Yeah. We also saw an improvement in home insurance because people were at home. So if there was something mm-hmm. wrong with their house, they saw it sooner and the claim wasn't as severe. But the you know other teams that deal with, say, business insurance um, was very different because, uh, you know, if your business was interrupted by COVID and we are liable to pay out for your loss of profits, then um, yeah. that's going to cost us a lot of money. So, mm. um, that, yeah, so part of the reason why um, actuaries have to do about six years of exams is because there is a lot of uh, expert um, judgment about what information can we actually use in our model what is a reasonable model mm-hmm. um, and you know in the case of COVID it was a lot of sort of specific analysis looking at what do we know about the situation what's a reasonable assumption and Zurich as a company tends to be quite um, the way we use is prudent which means we just tend to prefer to save a bit extra money just in case yeah. Um, yeah. so kind of estimating for the worst case scenario um, mm. But also, you know, the other, the other side of that is that if we overestimate how bad it's going to be, then we aren't putting money through as profit and that doesn't look mm-hmm. great. So yeah. that's a real balancing act. Brilliant. Does Thank that make so sense? Much, I know that the world is a bit does. unusual. If you don't no, no, I think that was a really, uh, one of the first things I was going to ask you after you kind of told us what 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 you did was what is an actuary. So you gave a really, yeah. really brilliant <laughs> overview of that um, because um I think that it is one of those roles that not everybody has heard of um so I think that was a really good overview of 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 what an actuary does what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick in this world and go to you Will now if you can tell us a little bit more about your particular role on the team that you work in yeah of course um so Rosa kind of already hinted at it but I'm the flip side of things so Rosa's reserving I'm pricing and so that means that my responsibility is we figure out how much we should be charging for each individual policy and yeah. the covers they've requested. And we do that by taking, obviously, like we'll get a lot of information from the client. So, for example, we'll get postcodes and then we can have a look at our historical data. And, for example, we can look at the amount of cars that have been stolen from that postcode for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And using that, we can sort of make this basis on okay, so you're in a high risk area. So we're Mm -hmm. going to bump up your policy prices a little bit or, you know, vice versa. And then the hope is that we have been charging enough on our policies that has enough money to cover (laughs) (laughs) the amount it's actually cost us. So that doesn't work out generally as my fault. (laughs) You're going to get told off on those, I think. Yeah, I think there's kind of, um, we've not really touched on is, this is the general insurance stream, which is what me and Rosa do. There's a whole other stream called the um, for life insurance, which I don't think anybody here is on, on the call is um, a part of that. Uh, we, uh, it's an entirely separate scheme that we don't interact with a huge amount. But I know for a fact that they're much more data focused on yeah. the policies they deal with around a much smaller level. So if you're partial to like very long lists of numbers and uh, programming and coding, then like that might be the direction to go in. Yeah. Mm. Brilliant. 
Thank you so much. Well, I think it's always really interesting to because when you everyone's probably renewed their car insurance, the home insurance, et cetera, everyone kind of deals with, the, you know, the front end of, of a company like Zurich. But mm-hmm. you don't really understand the amount of data and the amount of research mm-hmm. that goes into, you know, that that policy that you get given at the end. Yeah. Um, and just listening to, you know, the three of you so far and obviously going to go and, and talk to Paula in a second. Mm-hmm. It does really make you think about, OK, there's, there's so many people behind the scenes working on this and there's so much number, uh, so many numbers, so much data. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, it's already been eye-opening for me, and I'm sure it has for our, our audience. Yeah. Um, but Paul, at last but not not least, my love, let's come to you and find out a little bit more about your role um, and the team that you're working in. So my current role is a project manager. Um, mm-hmm. That's my current rotation, and I'm working with the Life Protection Platform team, or LPP for short, which okay. maintains and develops the platform for Zurich's life insurance. Yeah. So we're, we kind of take care of the website or the app where clients or brokers go to actually um, buy a policy for their life insurance or for critical illness or stuff like that. And okay. my role within this team is managing one particular release on it. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say very much about that yet because it's not <laughs> out. But um, my job is to kind of figure out what we need to do to mm-hmm reach the point where we can release what we want to release and Mm -hmm. find out what work needs to go into it, who needs to do that work, how long it's going to take, um, liaise with the right team. So that Mm -hmm. includes the actuaries because we have to talk about pricing, Mm -hmm. underwriting, marketing, compliance, legal claims, operations, um, IT obviously, and there's more. So it's a lot of people working together to make a product come to life. Mm -hmm. And my, my role within it is to make sure that everybody has what they need and Form like a timeline and make sure that it aligns with the business case for releasing that product. Any new product now? Everybody's just going to watch and tell you, you know, looking on the news. So is that was that Pot Parlor? Was that it? Was that it? has <laughs> <laughs> launched it. You heard it here first. We don't know what Paula's on with, but at least you heard it on the Grad Cracker webinar. <laughs> it is. It is uh, a lot of work, and I don't think this is even a particularly large release. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm sure it's very important. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be um, worthwhile. Paul, I just want to kind of ask you a little bit more about because this, the scheme itself is called change technology and management. So that's kind of three big to me that sound like very different areas. Um, so with your current role, for example, in the project management, are you doing coding or are you doing more on the kind of planning? You know, what what element of technology do you get involved in or does it vary by rotation so far? It does vary a lot by rotation. So my previous rotation was with um, GDPR, which it stands okay. for General Data Protection Regulation, which we have in the UK. Mm-hmm. And that involved a lot more detail, a lot more looking at specific systems, understanding what the tables look like so that we can delete information, stuff like that. My current role, I don't do any programming mm-hmm. whatsoever, mm-hmm. which is a little bit sad, but who knows if I'll get to do some in the next role. It's mm-hmm. a lot more about if we get a technological problem or a pricing problem or something come in, what do we need to do? I since I studied computer science, I'm a bit better at diagnosing problems related mm-hmm. to technology, but mm-hmm. I, at the, in the end of the day, I just have to involve the right people. Yeah. And you are right that it changed technology and management are three very different things, mm. but it, that's kind of what keeps the role more dynamic yeah, and interesting but, because yeah. you have to interact with all three mm-hmm. in order to get a product or, or a platform or a system live. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, to what capacity you interact with each of those different 
areas depends mm -hmm. on your specific role and that's kind of what the program is for is to find out what balance you want and what role you want to go for yeah. at the mm -hmm. end of the program it sounds like one of those roles where it would be open to such a breadth of candidate as well you know so many different backgrounds would be really really yeah. applicable to I'm it. actually the only grad in my year that has a STEM degree the other okay. two studied okay. um, international relations in politics so it mm -hmm. I mean you can be any kind of person with any kind of background and still be able to mm. thrive with change technology and management yeah fantastic thank you so much Paula well that was a really good overview to what to, you know all of your roles what you're doing right now I kind of want to take a like, go backwards a little bit or maybe it might be your current projects but I want to kind of find out a little bit more about some of the favorite projects that you've worked on so far any details you can give us if you can only be vague then be vague but um yeah it'd be good to hear about some kind of more specific so um I am going to start with you Rosa I know I wasn't expecting that either ah, I, know, I, was, I, was, I was mixing it up, it up. <laughs> I was getting excited I was like right Tom I was like, oh no Rosa <laughs> mixing it up um okay so I, within reserving kind of a lot of what we do is very cyclical so every quarter we do the same processes of checking that we have enough money for um the claims that we have checking what we think we're going to need etc um I would say two of the most interesting things I've worked on one has been um looking at catastrophes so um by that that includes COVID but also um the particularly a lot of the bad storms we've had um in the UK because mm -hmm. um those have been very interesting in terms of um, the parts of the UK that they hit uh, and kind of how that affects what we we incur, which is how much we, we owe to people. Um, but also uh, just quite scary because you can see the development of climate change if you look year at year on uh, how bad the uh, uh, storms have been. <laughs> um, and then the second thing has been, um, I do quite a lot of sort of process improvement and automation. So um, actuaries, um, because, and I think I said we do six, most people do about six years of exams. So we are quite like high specialist people um, and our time um, is often taken up doing things that is not very interesting or valuable. Um, so a lot of what we do is trying to make our processes more automated. Uh, and so I probably do more coding in my job than Paula does in hers uh, mm. uh, because I, I do coding is probably about 60% mm, of my work. Um, mm. And uh, that's actually unusual among actuaries. Most most mm. of the people I work with don't code so much. Uh, it's a great skill to have for whatever you want to do. I recommend it. Yeah. If you like problem solving, it's great. Everyone's yeah. nodding. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um, I've really enjoyed those projects because um, it's not just redesigning a process and knowing that you're saving everybody time. It's also, yeah. um, there's a lot more interaction with people within those because you're thinking about, okay, this is a very specialist process. Um, what do my fellow actuaries need to be able to do with this to still be able to do their job, but also save them time? And what does the rest of the business need to know about what we've done? And yeah, um, yeah so I really enjoyed this, but I, I probably can't give any real specifics because they're- uh, No, that's really That would be an webinar in itself, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. I could sit and talk to you about that all day. Um, but one question that did pop into my mind when you were talking, Rosa, about um, the storm specifically and how that in the UK, is it just the UK that you kind of focus on or do you do anything with other countries in terms of looking at um, data in those areas as well? Um, so obviously we're part of a, a group um, and mm. we do look at CAT, so cat catastrophe events on a group level. Mm. However, um, we are only UK reserving so our job yeah. is mostly looking at the UK but we do we basically provide the group data about our yeah. cats our cats uh, yeah. and then they kind of analyze it and then they tell us things about it that might be helpful um, yeah 
but it, one of the one of the things is that just um, often the ones we're most interested in haven't been the worst for the UK. They've been the worst for the whole group. So if there's been a very bad storm yeah. in Germany that's hit the UK yeah. a little bit. We're actually more interested in that um, mm. because it's affected the group as a whole a lot. Um, but yeah, mostly we focus on the UK here, and then in mm. Switzerland, that's where they deal with the rest of Europe basically. Yeah. Okay. Sophie, can I just ask Rose a question about the exams? Because you have said mm. twice now, um, yeah, it's about you know like six years worth of exams. So if I was just having empathy, you know, with our audience and student looking in, so I've done my GCSEs, done my A levels, done three, four years at university. Were you motivated to think, right, okay, I've got another six years worth of exams that I've got to battle on and do? And how do you keep that motivation up? And is it a little bit daunting to think, right, I've got another six years worth of learning, educating, sitting exams and everything else, you know, what would you say to students about that to think, Rosa, I want your job, but I'm a little bit worried about the exams. <laughs> so it is daunting. Uh, I won't deny it. I'm sure we'll <laughs> maybe have some opinions on this. Uh, but he did say <laughs> something along the lines, if you want to live comfortably, then go and be an actuary. And I think one of the reasons they say that is because because you're so specialized you do have good job security um mm. insurance companies can't function without actuaries and um that is you know a really especially in today's world a really nice thing um mm. it's also a very world recognized qualification so if you're interested in working in other countries um other countries know what it means particularly the uk system is considered very very rigorous mm. um and you are working you are studying and working at the same time but mm. you're exams feed into your work and vice versa you yeah. do get especially Zurich offers a very good study package so they pay for your materials they pay for your exams you get um specific study days for your exams to work for them yeah. um and um I guess one thing is that and this is true of most companies but um you typically get a pay rise every time you pass an exam um yeah. which is a nice little bonus um yeah. and it does mean if you are very fast at passing exams then um you can sort of increase your salary quickly um, yeah. Not that I can say that's happening for me, but uh, I'm making some progress. I've had a few of this like that, so it's all good. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sacrifice. You're sacrificing some of your twenties, but also you are knowing that you. It's a. It's a bit. In some ways, it's a bit like having a PhD. It's like a. Um, yeah. It's a very well-respected qualification. Yeah. Um, and uh, it is worth it. I think if you find it interesting, it's worth it. Yeah, and you can live comfortably, but you need to earn it. <laughs> yes. Oh okay, so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I actually think on that topic, something that's quite important to mention is yeah. that we don't have a pressure to pass your exams. Like I know right, people okay. have yeah, fully decided that they don't want to pursue the qualifications anymore and yeah. they've just outright stopped. And yeah. that hasn't at all like um, jeopardised their career at all. Zurich is like mm -hmm. really supportive of doing them at your own pace mm -hmm. or taking a break if you feel like you need it. Mm -hmm. so oh, it isn't good. something that you have to do. It yeah. is yeah. really put the brakes on if you're finding it's not for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that I, is I would a say really good point. One other thing about them is that, and I hope we'll all agree here, actually, not all of them are maths exams, a lot of them are, but the content isn't any more difficult than A-level maths or maybe very early first year university maths. Yeah. It, the, the reason they are difficult is because you are working full time and doing exams yeah. at the same time. Yeah. And that's why they take a long time. But actually, they aren't, there's nothing, you don't have to be a mathematical genius to do this. And lots of yeah. people who did economics degrees, I even know people that did languages degrees who are actuaries now. Um, yeah. So it is not, you know, I think uh, it's the time commitment, not the content yeah. that's really mm. true. Let's find that balance. Mm. Yeah. Perfect. Thanks, Rosa. Thanks, Will. Um, Great. Thank you, Rosa. I'm going to come to you um, now, Tom, to find out a little bit more about some of the specific projects that you've been in, please. 
Yeah, I can think of quite a few examples, but I'll try and uh, narrow it down. Um, I think one that comes to mind is quite good because it shows the value of doing the rotations. Yeah. Because um, it's sort of skills you pick up in one team, although it's diff- you're going to different teams, they're certainly applicable as you mm-hmm. as you rotate. So I, as I said, I started in data engineering and then uh, a little while after joined the data science team. Mm-hmm. And because they knew I'd uh, been in the data engineering team for a while beforehand they knew I had that experience so I used those data engineering skills for a, a data science project yeah, okay. um, so sort of in summary um, we had a project where we had data internal data that we already had but we also needed some external data and with this kind of thing it's not like you just press download on the internet and you've got it yeah. Um, there's a lot more to it than that. And that's where the sort of data engineering skills came in. So I was the one who worked on bringing this external data in that we needed for this project. And so once we had both this external data from outside the company and the internal data, mm-hmm. the project could then move forwards. And then I worked mm-hmm. on the next part of it, which was um, using machine learning to predict the right kind of customers for a certain type of insurance. Mm-hmm. So I really liked it because you could see like the whole day, the whole data yeah. journey from the start of getting the data in the first place to right at the end to actually getting use out of that data and mm-hmm. providing value to the company. So yeah. it was, and it was great because I've used skills that I'd used in a previous team. So mm-hmm. I think that was a really good example of um, partly the importance of the rotations, but also fun projects where you get to use some really cool tools. Cause also on top of that, um, we have some really advanced, super powerful tools that can, mm. I do a lot of working with data on the, on, in data teams, but yeah. we have things that are millions of hundreds of millions of rows of data. And we have tools that can effectively ask questions to that data in seconds rather than hours or something. Mm. So I think the point I'm guess I'm trying to get across is like, just because we're insurance and you think us oh, old and boring, there's a lot more to it. And we have yeah. some super advanced really modern tools that we use along the way yeah um so yeah it's been that was really good and just one more project that I can think of I'll go through quickly is um was when I was in the visualization team mm-hmm. um so I mentioned about them trying to create these sort of interactive dashboards for looking at reports of things and one I worked on was to do with accidents for employees uh, that happened within Zurich fortunately mm-hmm. there's not many um yeah. but uh well what originally the health and safety team were using, they just had a few bar charts of things telling you sort of, for example, the number of hand injuries, someone that have been, that have happened in the last year or something, mm-hmm. or the number of head injuries all in one bar chart. And then I completely transformed this uh, while in the visualization team into this interactive um, dashboard where you had a silhouette of a body with hot spots telling you, oh, hand is where most of the injuries are happening, oh, for example, wow. or the yeah. head. And then you could interact with it. So you could say, click on the hand and mm-hmm. see where what kind of in, uh, accidents were happening with a hand injury. So then they so, could potentially look at how to solve those problems. So who, So obviously that would go then um, to management level, Tom, I'm guessing. Would you present that back then to you know your seniors and say, look, this is information, you can use that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there's a health and safety management group that uh, get together, I think every quarterly. And yeah. I actually demonstrated the what I'd been creating in there and what was really lovely is um the chief HR officer was in Mm -hmm. that um and he really liked it and he emailed me after saying oh I really like the work you're doing so that was a really nice rewarding part of it so I didn't expect someone at that higher level to be interested in 
the work I'm doing. Mm. Oh, brilliant. Oh, brilliant. No, that's, that's great. Mm. That's a really real breadth of, of mm. experiences you've already had. Um, and, you know, talking about the different tools and things that, you, that you're using, um, I imagine there's probably a lot of training and development that you had to be able to kind of understand and learn those tools, especially coming from not necessarily a data background, coming from an electrical yeah. engineering background, to then be using really complicated tools like this. Um, it sounds like there's just there's just been so much that's mm. kind of gone into preparing you to be able to utilise that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as part of the um, scheme I'm on, we're also doing a data science degree. So you're oh, learning, okay. you're, alongside that, you're you're learning as well. So we have mm-hmm. one day a week for that. And there's also Zurich pays for a lot of qualifications. Uh, for example, with Microsoft that um, you can do, uh, you get paid for, so you can do it for free. That actually costs, would cost hundreds of pounds if you did yeah. it by yourself to be able to learn some about some of the tools and actually get certification from it for some of the stuff that we're doing so it's all really good brilliant that's that's always really good to hear mm. about the training training opportunities you get and I know that's really key to um a lot of the students and graduates will be watching us today you know what you know coming into a role especially if they are thinking about changing disciplines and going into something slightly different yeah. how am I going to be supported through that um and it it sounds like there's so much support there and, and you know being able to go on different courses and get different degrees is amazing um Will, I'm going to jump down to you now um, to kind of touch upon some of the projects that you've done so far. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm not sure I actually mentioned it, but I'm in the SME team, which uh, okay. down into the small and medium enterprises. Yeah. So that means that what we ensure is like sort of fish and chips up to five different stores. That's sort of our remit. Okay. Fish and chips, dirt starting. <laughs> starving. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's, uh, it leads to there being like two real sort of directions that your projects end up taking you. So one of them was we have this like portfolio of policies that we've had on our books for years. And it was up to me to like go into it, break it down, see how it was doing and like what it was making for us. And those sort of projects, they always really involve like a lot of interaction, a lot of reaching out to people, um, a lot of chatting with underwriters. So it does like involve those soft skills. And then like the flip side, because we do still like, obviously they're not these huge commercial um, policies. There are still like lots of data. So another project that I've like spent a lot of time with was updating our model for um, fleet policies, meaning like Mm -hmm. policies where you have like multiple cars. So we've gotten these new post COVID numbers on how they were Mm -hmm. doing countrywide. And it was up to us to take those new statistics and implement them into how much we should actually be charging people. Because in the wake of COVID, as Rose has said, like the um, nature of insurance has changed massively. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is returning to normal. Some of it has seems to have found this new normal that we need mm. to now account for. So it was actually a really satisfying project to work on because um, sat there, plugged in all the numbers, ran all the data, and then came to the conclusion that actually across all the policies that we're writing, we should actually bring our prices down by about 10% which was a really great feeling to yeah, that yeah. doing a little bit of good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> In this yeah. 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 No, that's um that's really interesting to hear. I mean, just listening to the three of you so far, the, the types of things that all yeah. three of you have got involved in is such a range of different industries, um, different sectors, mm-hmm. different technologies. Um, and that's just three people at Zurich. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really interesting insight as well. Mm-hmm. Um Paula, can we come back to you now and just, again, I know we heard about a couple of the different things that you were doing right now. Have you got any other sort of standout projects that you could mention that, that you've been involved in so far? 
Yeah, so I mentioned it already, but this is only my second rotation and my first one was in GDPR. And that's mm-hmm. actually still my favorite so far because it was <laughs> really fun. And um, Rosa mentioned about the catastrophe team and I actually yes. had some interaction with them because a big part of right to erasure is the question of how long can we keep people's data and mm-hmm. insurance is built on having historical data. Mm-hmm. And up till GDPR, yeah. we just didn't delete anything. So now we have to find <laughs> out how long we can keep things yeah. before we have to delete them. And part of that negotiation was how long does the catastrophe team need stuff like flood data, um, yeah. geolocation addresses in order to be able to do what they have to do, but also not keep people's addresses for 100 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it involved a lot of really interesting conversations like that or finding out that a database that's like 50 years old use people's mm-hmm. names as a primary key and that's obviously personal data so now we yeah. have to redesign the database in order to be able to delete people's info mm-hmm. um so it it has it had interesting bits like that it was a lot of um discovering how to do something figuring out how to delete um, mm-hmm. a piece of information and what it what it would take because when you try to delete something off of a database that was coded in 1975 yeah it creates an error that then trickles down to all the other systems that are tied to it so it was actually a lot more complicated than it seemed and I found mm-hmm. it really fun you just don't let's think yeah. about any of this no that's what yeah, I was gonna just, say you just do like your house insurance or car insurance you go blah, 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 put everything mm-hmm. in it just comes up 23 pound 50 a month and you think oh yeah that'll do but all mm. of you guys, everything that you do to go behind that £23.50, whatever it is, I'm just completely making it up. Um, it's just, yeah, phenomenal. So you're yeah. right, Sophie, it is not just as insurance, is it? You know, these guys no. just do everything. Oh. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things as well. I mean, I know probably most of our audience will have heard of GDPR, but they won't have thought about the implications that it had on yeah. a wider industry level. Because um, I know, obviously, as Gradcracker, we had mm. to be GDPR compliant when that everything came in. But, you know, thinking about from an actuary's point of view, you're probably sat there screaming like, no, don't delete my data. <laughs> I think um, other people would be screaming as well yeah. with Paula saying her favourite project was GDPR, but everybody was a bit like... Wow. <laughs> I guess I a lot of people being like, right. oh, you poor thing, that must be so boring. But it really wasn't. Yeah. When you mentioned GDPR, the, 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 early one of the webinars, but like, oh, my GDPR, that's that suit nightmare. And you're like, that's my favorite project. <laughs> I'm sorry. This lady is hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> and still smiling somehow. Still smiling. Um, <laughs> yep. Um, no, that was really, really interesting. Um, there's a, a loads more that I want to ask you guys, but I know that we've got quite a few other bits to co- um, to cover. So I'm going to hand back to Carla now to kind of go back into oh, um, yeah. some more hints and tips and, and bits around the, the recruitment process. Because as we know, um, Zurich is going to be opening on Monday. So I want to make sure that you've got that really, really key information to get those excellent applications in on Monday. <laughs> Really wasn't ready for that. I was just like sitting there watching you all go. Right. Not my turn yet, not my turn yet. Me and Sophie were just like listening to it. It is our turn. Sophie, right, come on, we're on it. Um, so, right, where am I? Right, recruitment process. That was, I really wanted to know, I, I might come back to you guys because I really want to know about something else, but bear with me. Um, recruitment process, Sophie, my love, what is it looking like this year? 
Yeah, so for this year, we've actually completely redesigned our yes. recruitment process. Um, and we're really hoping that it's it's a much more immersive experience for candidates um, in the sense that hopefully today we've brought to life some of the roles, but throughout the um, scenarios that we're presenting, we're giving you a bit more of a flavour of that. So um, in terms of the application process, we're obviously live um, on Monday. Um, yep. We're open for, I think it's about seven weeks. We close on the 30th of October, but obviously recommend you get your applications yeah. early. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's picking first of all picking the stream that you're most interested in so we've got the guys here today from from different streams so have a look at all the roles and see see what kind of suits um and then you will submit your application and granted that you meet our minimum criteria um all of which you can find on the grad cracker hub um you will then be progressed to the first stage um online assessment and that really is um designed around understanding a bit more about you some of your working style and preferences so really encourage you to kind of be honest with that there's nothing to trick you out it's it's not a right or wrong it's very much just understanding a bit about your preferences um and then after that if you um get to the next stage um that's called our job simulation and video interview so what will happen is um you're presented with lots of different sources of information um and it's based on a project and then there'll be different um questions for you to answer so there'll be a couple of video questions but mixed in there with some written um and sort of rank or slider questions for you as well um and then if you pass that then the final stage will be to meet with that particular business area um so that will be your opportunity to have um, an interview with them um and we're moving towards a strengths-based interview approach um so slightly different to competency-based more around um i guess less about having lived experiences and more about how you might approach things what you think mm-hmm. of those scenarios um and that's really your opportunity to meet with the business area find out about what the team's like you know your opportunity to ask questions and get that real flavor for Zurich, hopefully so that's our recruitment process for this year and is that so the final stages that you mentioned sophie are they in person virtual Undecided yet, actually. Um, I think it might be a blend of both. We're really keen to get people, um, you know, to be able to see the offices and see the environment they're working in, but appreciate that, you know, it might be a long way to travel. You could be based somewhere completely different to where you might be applying for a role. So we're very mindful of that. Um, mm-hmm. And also thinking about our sort of sustainability agenda as well. And yes. Yes. travel, we're trying to really think about an approach for that. But at some point, whether you don't meet a space space in the interview process, we're quite keen quickly after we've offered you to, to meet you in person so that you can meet your team as well and have that opportunity. I think that's really important. Yeah, definitely. I really sound I like that sound of the recruitment process there, mm. um, Sophie. So just thinking specifically to our audience, obviously STEM students, would you give any specific hints and tips to them for the, during this webinar? Yeah, definitely. I think it's really thinking about what you'd like to do. You know, we've got lots of different opportunities. There's hopefully something for everybody, but hopefully today you've heard about the different career opportunities that yeah. you might you know eventually end up with so I think it's really thinking about that initially and then throughout the process being able to demonstrate you know why you've chosen that what motivates you you know have you kind of considered what longer term looks like you know for the guys in actuarial it's a huge commitment to go and start taking that exam process it's not something we encourage people to go into lightly so Mm -hmm. it's really thinking about whether that path is for you and we want to understand that you've understood what what that looks like hopefully as well so the more that you can share that with us I, I think the better um yeah. and I just encourage people to to be themselves you know show some personality we really want to get to know you 
um, throughout the process as well. So nothing kind of particular in terms of the tests other than don't overthink them. Be honest yeah, about what your preferences so. are, you know, just kind of put out there what you think, um, what you think is right. You know, there is no right or wrong in some of those instances. So that would be my tips, really. And there's lots of different ways that you can research different streams as well, isn't there? Obviously, you can mention um, that you watched watch this webinar. Obviously, yeah. all the guys have parts of different streams and things like that. So highlight that. The hub on Grad Cracker Surface worked really hard in sending over all, all new content. You know, we're still updating it as we speak, um, ready for the Monday go live date. So there's there's lots of video content on their profiles and things like that. So there's endless kind of en- almost endless ways to show um, that you've done your research. Um, so thank you very much for that, Sophie. Um, don't forget that we need to, you need to be following um, Zurich on Gradcracker to be alerted for Monday's Opportunities Go Live date. I've got four minutes, so I'm going to loop back to the graduates because there's two things that I want to know about. about. Rosa, you touched on this at the beginning of the webinar. Um, but moving away from the, the work side of Zurich, you know, what other things can you be involved in um, if you wanted to, like sports activities or networking groups and things like that? So this is definitely an area that our students watching um, is really interesting. So mm. I'm not going to be um, difficult like Sophie. I'm going to go to... Oh, Rosa, you've unmuted yourself. Like, but you go first, love. You go first. Because <laughs> <laughs> you said my name, I thought you were asking. Um, I can't, I cannot... I cannot speak to the sporting side of things because I can barely walk straight. Um, <laughs> but I uh, have been involved in um, Zurich has a lot of really good DNI groups. Um, there's yes. the Women's Innovation Network, um, the Cultural Awareness Network, etc. So one thing I did was um, they they do these things career conversations where they get someone who's very early in their career and someone who they describe as more embedded, i.e., has been in their job a lot longer, um, to answer the same questions as one call. Um, my manager signed me up for one just to happened to be with someone who was starting on the uh, the executive board the week after uh, was the other person there were 100 people on the call I was expecting about 10 um, <laughs> but that was really good fun actually um, yeah. and um, you know it, it really nice actually to talk about my my weird background and uh, with a yeah. with a future leader um, I think there's lots of opportunities like that if you're willing to put yourself out there for those yeah and sticking with you Rosa first day at Zurich what would you what would be your key tip to students so if there's if there's that uh, in jury well, could we come and day two tips try and be in the office for your first week because um yeah. like all large companies you will have it problems and they are much easier to fix when there's someone sitting next yes. to you you can ask about them <laughs> and yeah. my second one is um do not be afraid to ask questions especially if you're like in in any of these kind of like stem fields because the fact is you wouldn't be going into this role and being trained in it if you could do it already. And there's yeah. no shame asking questions. And everybody you work with would rather you ask lots of questions, even if they seem obvious, and get the stuff right and understand yeah. it, than just plod on and get confused and waste waste time. You know. So really, don't be afraid of asking questions. That's that's apparently the like one of the most common pieces of feedback interns get is we wish you'd ask more questions. You know. Yeah. So I think it's uh, I don't know. That's anecdotal. That's what I've heard. Um, but but I, 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 I ask so many questions. I've never had that. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine you are one of those people. <laughs> no, I, I think it's a no-brainer, Rose. And I think from the other side of things as well, the person that you are asking that question, they want to be asked. You know, they've got mm. all this knowledge. They know it all. And, it, you know, when somebody asks me a question about Grad Cracker, I'm buzzing. I'm just thinking, oh, yeah, I'll tell you everything I, I know about Grad Cracker. So people like to be asked questions as well. I think that's another mm. side to that um, story. So, Rosa, you've, you've been an absolute dream. Perfect. Thank you very much for all your answers today. Mm. Um, Tom? So 
work-life balance, what do you do life-wise at Zurich and first day student, what would you recommend? Yeah, I think, I know I mentioned sort of the breakfast charity yes, uh, day I did, did already, yeah. but there's, I've done quite a few different charity oh, uh, cool. events and they're, they're really good fun. I think yeah. a few to mention is one uh, called, uh, we did a Tough Mudder, um, yeah. which is like oh, an right. obstacle course, which we raised I've money for. And yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was really good fun. And um, ZCT is Zurich's charitable arm and they actually matched the amount we we raised. So I think we raised mm-hmm. about 1,500 pounds and then um, ZCT or Zurich Communities Trust uh, matched yeah. it. So it was like 3,000 oh, pounds raised for charity. Oh, that, wow, yeah, well that was a really good one. Yeah. Um, I think there's also uh, a charity uh, charity five-a-side football going on next week. I'm on holiday, mm-hmm. unfortunately. But it's quite a good one because you effectively get paid to play football or whatever. <laughs> so you can think of yourself as a professional footballer. That's Yeah, so they're really good. And then just one other thing outside of sort of the day-to-day working is the grad events are really good throughout the program yeah um they're really good because there's things like you get a hotel paid for you to be with your whole, co- whole cohort in person there's some really yeah. good events that I don't want to spoil um yeah. but yeah and then advice for a first day I think the main thing is to be proactive and definitely uh go out your way to ask questions yeah. kind of like Rose was saying or volunteering for work and really be enthusiastic about getting involved I think is the main thing because people I found respond to that really well when you are enthusiastic yeah so Tom you like to be paid um, to play football and you like hotels yeah, like, I think that sums I, it up yeah I like your style <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for that Tom and um, Will have you got anything to share with us that you would like yeah totally um so Tom's obviously spelled out like all the official ways that you can get involved with Zurich but we have like a lot more speaking anecdotally from my experience in the London yeah yeah of course we have a lot of like much more informal casual ways that we all get together (laughs) like it's super uncommon for us to get through a week without all like going out for drinks after work oh Um, good yeah every Tuesday we've got like a circuits in the park and you do feel like running Uh, I've never seen Rosa there but you are more than (laughs) 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 Um, we're perpetually trying to put together a -a five-a-side football team so we could do with more bodies if you feel like signing up Tom, come on. <laughs> Won't be joining that either. <laughs> Rosa, just standing girl. Yeah, you just need to stand there, arms out. Yeah, you just need to be a starfish, apparently. Yeah, so, um, and like to sort of piggyback off that, like my f- tip if you're starting up in Zurich is just say yes to everything. Everybody's yes. like really friendly and really forthcoming. So if you just match that, then you're more than fitting. Perfect. Thank you very much, Will. Um, Paula. Let's end this on a high. Come on, outshine the rest of them. Yeah, so for, I call them extracurriculars, but yeah. there's um, a great pride network. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work going on in the sustainability uh, yes. side of things as well. Yeah. I'm part of an IT sustainability group, which is always working to find new things that we can do. And Zurich just appointed a chief sustainability officer. So they're trying mm-hmm. to take it a lot more seriously now and it's taking yeah. a priority. Uh, within company initiatives Mm -hmm. there's like the others mentioned a lot of um things to do with other grads we like we like getting together and just Mm -hmm. booking a meeting but really just catching up sometimes (laughs) Um, don't admit that online everybody knows it's okay um catch-ups are encouraged and yeah there there is a lot of other stuff to do and for the first day I guess my biggest tip would be 
I think a lot of people put a lot of pressure on themselves and something yeah. uh, that was told to mm. me that helped me out was you don't have to get everything right the first time. No. You can try, fail, and then try again and it's mm -hmm. still fine. You'll still yeah. do it and be alive at the end. Yeah, gosh, every day is a school day, as I always say, um, and everybody's always learning. Um, oh, I'm a bit sad that this is ended, actually. No, <laughs> so I feel like we could go day. on forever. Yeah. <laughs> right, so... We need to organise with a session. When we're that parlours in, and we can just have a couple of drinks in, in between as well. Um, so <laughs> thank you, everybody. It's been absolutely brilliant to meet you all. You've been a fantastic um, panel, so thank you very much. Don't forget, like what we said before, make sure you follow um, Jurek to be alerted for Monday. Monday's a go-live date. I know that Sophie mentioned about deadlines being towards the end of October. Just repeating, don't leave it to the last minute. As you might get thousands and thousands of applications through Gradcracker. Um, so make yours count and make sure you are one of the first. Um, I am taking a break next week from the webinars. Sophie is going to be joined by Jessica. That was a big smile, Sophie, for saying I'm not here. Um, <laughs> Sophie is going to be joined by Jessica and they are meeting Toyota. Mm -hmm. um, so for now, thank you, Jurek, and we will see you all soon. Take care, everybody. Thank bye you. bye. Thank bye. You. Bye.